September 30th. And as we look into the New Testament today, our reading will be in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27. We'll go through chapter 2, verse 18. Paul wrote, For to me, to live is Christ. But he did more than write that statement. He lived it. Jesus Christ is mentioned 18 times in this chapter and is seen involved in many aspects of Paul's life. His friends. Paul loved the saints in Philippi. He thought about them, prayed for them, and longed to see them. Christ made this fellowship possible. We'll read about his circumstances. You see, he was a prisoner not of Rome, but of Jesus Christ, and his chains were in Christ. Do you think first of Christ when circumstances are difficult? We'll read about his future. Paul's life was in danger. If he lost the trial, he could be killed as an enemy of Rome. That was very possible. But when Christ is your life, death is not your enemy, and you have the assurance of being with Christ when this life ends. And we'll read about his enemies. When you suffer, you suffer for Christ's sake, and you need not fear your enemies. The vital thing is that God's people unite in Christ and oppose the enemy, not one another. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 30th, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, through chapter 2, verse 18. But whatever happens to me, Paul, you Philippians, must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, as citizens of heaven. Then, whether I come and see you again, or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the good news. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in this fight together. You have seen me suffer for Him in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of this great struggle. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though He was God, He did not demand and cling to His rights as God. He made Himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form He obediently humbled Himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, 
you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing, so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. Hold tightly to the word of life, so that when Christ returns, I will be proud that I did not lose the race and that my work was not useless. But even if my life is to be poured out like a drink offering to complete the sacrifice of your faithful service, that is, if I am to die for you, I will rejoice, and I want to share my joy with all of you. And you should be happy about this and rejoice with me. One of the things that happens to us when we go through difficult times, difficult times as a CU leader, difficult times because of illness, difficult times because of bereavement, opposition. One of the things that we face is a kind of closing down of our horizons. The world seems smaller and narrower. The problem seems to occupy our entire field of vision. And interestingly enough, when we come out the other end, in the mercy of God, either because he has put our feet on a solid rock, or in the case of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, because he simply added more grace. When we do come out the other side, then our horizons expand again. And we start saying... Yes, you have been good in this place, and I should have seen you're good all the time. You've been good here and here and here and here. This is my experience, my testimony, right across all of my existence. Why was my horizon so narrow? Did you see? No, when you're in the miry bog, you don't say things like that. Not unless you're a very mature Christian. The bog itself consumes you. But when you come out on the other end... You testify not only to God's wisdom and sovereignty and goodness in your life, but you now universalize and you realize He hasn't changed. He is still that same God. He is still sovereign. He is still good. And before we were born, God knew us. And before we did anything, God sovereignly thought things through. All of His thoughts are marvelous such that, in fact, uh, we can trust him. Nothing takes him by surprise. And even while we're calling on him, it's not because we're informing God of something he doesn't know anything about. So over against idolatry, then, is this God-centeredness that trusts him because in the mystery of providence, he does know the end from the beginning. He knows us through and through. He is trustworthy. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. And when we learn that sort of lesson afresh, either because we've been rescued from this miry bog, this slimy pit, or because God in his mercy has added more grace, it's important to embed that lesson so deeply in our consciousness that when we slip into the next pit... Our horizons don't narrow down too much.
Psalm 72, verses 1 through 20. We'll see that Solomon prayed for blessing on his reign when he followed David. A young man, Solomon knew he could not succeed without the help of the Lord. The psalm also pictures our Lord Jesus when he reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Solomon asked for wisdom to administer justice to his people, and God granted his request. His reign was like a refreshing shower that made the earth fruitful and beautiful. God can give you wisdom for your tasks as well and make you a blessing to others. Do you bring refreshing showers or storms? Peace and security prospered while Solomon was on the throne, and Israel's domain was extended. Of course, uh, verses 8-11, through 11, as we shall read here, especially apply to the Lord Jesus and His glorious reign yet to come. But He can give you peace and safety right now, today, as you yield to Him. He wants to reign in life right now. You see, God's purpose is to fill the whole earth with His glory as He unites all things in Christ. Well, let me ask you, are you helping to extend His glory on the earth? It's a great job, and it's available to you, extending God's glory here on the earth. Psalm 72, verses 1-20 through 20, A Psalm of Solomon Give justice to the King, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful, because the king does what is right. Help him to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to crush their oppressors. May he live as long as the sun shines as long as the moon continues in the skies, yes, forever. May his rain be as refreshing as the springtime rains, like the showers that water the earth. May all the godly flourish during his reign. May there be abundant prosperity until the end of time. May he reign from sea to sea, and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will fall before him in the dust. The western kings of Tarshish and the islands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him, and all nations will serve him. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will save them from oppression and from violence, for their lives are precious to him. Long live the king! May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May the people always pray for him and bless him all day long. May there be abundant crops throughout the land, flourishing even on the mountain tops. May the fruit trees flourish as they do in Lebanon, sprouting up like grass in a field. May the king's name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun shines. May all nations be blessed through him and bring him praise. Bless the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Bless his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. 
This ends the prayers of David, son of Jesse. Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to death. Don't stand back and let them die. Don't try to avoid responsibility by saying you didn't know about it. For God knows all hearts, and He sees you. He keeps watch over your soul, and He knows you knew. And He will judge all people according to what they have done.